Justin is currently using the restroom. Let's see if we can hear anything. The white noise of pure humanity. Jared Hogan. And I'm Christian Schultz. And this is Good. Hello, friends, podcast listeners, all shapes and sizes. This is Christian Schultz. I'm having to speak a little bit softer than I normally would because it's very early in the morning here. So, but I wanted to get an episode out for you guys. Um, Jared will not be joining us this week, but my good friend, Justin Hamilton, who is DPing this project with me, for me, um, is going to be joining us. And we went and saw a movie called The Lobster, and then we talked about it. And so if you haven't seen The Lobster, go see it right now. Stop the Stop this podcast, put it on pause, and then go see it because we will ruin it for you. Okay, enjoy. Justin, where are we going right now? We're going to see the lobster. Where are we at? Louisville, Kentucky. You've arrived. Boom. Hi, I need one for the lobster. Sure. Hi. Uh, I'll get a large popcorn if you get a drink. Okay. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Are you opposed to this aisle? No. It's fine. All right, guys. We're here. We're sitting in our seats. And uh, we'll see you guys afterwards. All right, bye. Okay. You ready? Yeah. I think I'm ready. You, don't, ha- you don't have to have all the answers, Justin. I don't think there is having all the answers to something like that, so. Okay. Yeah, I'm ready. Well, we're sitting in an Airbnb in Louisville, Kentucky. Louisville. Louisville, Kentucky. And we're sitting in the dining room, and it's a nice beige-colored dining room. I'd give it taupe. Taupe-colored dining room, and we've just seen the lobster. Mm Mm-hmm. Justin, first thoughts. First thoughts. Um... It's, it was really interesting, and the entire time that I was watching it, I was I was fascinated by it. Because I, I haven't seen a film in quite some time, or even that really comes to mind that that exists entirely like in the world of a metaphor. Right. So <laughs> so extremely as this film does. Wait, hold on. How do we know each other? Oh, where did um, we first meet? I think we met at Masters in Motion in Austin. In Austin, you were down there with Music Bed, and uh-huh. I was down there with. 
Vincent Lafare. Yeah. Who I was working for. At how the did time. we how did we get to here? What how did, did we get you, to, no, so, I think we just started like smoking cigarettes together. <laughs> right? Yeah, and just chatting. And then uh we both live in Dallas, or we did live in Dallas. Yeah. Yeah. Well, for, yeah. I live in LA now. I live in Dallas. You live in Fort Worth. And I don't know. We had a couple mandates at Wingstop. Yep. I so came you, out. But you're some, currently DPing a project that I'm right. directing. That's where we are now. That, that is for a brand. That's for a brand. <laughs> the classic. Yeah. I got, I got in trouble situation. earlier for, for breaking my NDA that I never signed. <laughs> Yeah. So, I don't think we've... We made a short film together. We did. That was about two years ago now. That was two years. Yeah. It was for... It was a film called Three. Mm Mm-hmm. And that was fun. That was a lot of fun. But now we're actually doing something serious. Doing something serious. For a client. Yeah. I feel like a... Like we've come full circle. I feel like the short (laughs) film was more serious than... Than this. Than this. In content. (laughs) Yeah. But... But I feel like, I feel like we our our friendship could end now if we wanted it to. Why is that? I'm just saying, like you know, we came oh, full, we came full circle. And we did, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now we're here. It's complete. It doesn't have to end, but it's it probably won't end. But no, yeah, it could. If it, it could, if, I mean, there are a couple of days left on the project. Right. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the lobster. That's how I feel. That's how you feel? <laughs> a big sigh? I don't quite understand what I saw. I think you were right in saying that it was a big... It was it was interesting to see a film completely based in a metaphor. Completely. That, I think that's probably the best way to put it. Can you think of another film like that? I really can't no. off the top of my head. Um, there are films that can be read as a metaphor, but this is... Absurd maybe, and surreal. Maybe the Truman Show. But that was still... No, no, yeah. That was still... That's a it complete, was a big satire of reality. Yes. Which is, this is what that is. It's, but everything in this film was nondescript. You didn't know where they were, you didn't, other than their accents. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. Well, yeah, like the Truman Show, like, you can read it as a metaphor for something, but it exists right. inside of, like a reality that's not necessarily this is absurdist it's totally absurd <laughs> and and it's and because well, me, of well, that okay, well, and it so, never breaks that absurdity so what was the what was the metaphor do you feel what was the metaphor that they were trying to point at well i, I mean i i have i've thought on it it's it's obviously it's a metaphor for the way that that society pressures us in as humans into pairing off Right, and I think that it it brings to light a lot of the different aspects of 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 that pressure, um, not just the societal ones, but the the practical ones. Like they demonstrate these things at the hotel. It's really hard to talk about this film if you haven't seen it. I guess because it, well, let's it's, it's all going to sound kind of silly. Let's let's read a synopsis. Okay, I'm going to we'll just do that. It's just Google straight off the internet. Uh, and it says, in a dystopian society, in a dystopian society, single people must find a mate within forty-five days or be transformed into an animal of their choice. Yeah. So you want to start with that as a metaphor? 
Yeah, let's start with that as a metaphor. I think it's saying that we, as as humans, um, pair off and, I don't know, get married or, or partner up in a way that I guess most animals don't. So that the alternate to like being, like if you reject pairing off like that and you choose the loner lifestyle, then you are some sort of animal. Right. You're because you, you, you don't, you haven't conformed to like the society that we've created as humans. Right. Yeah. And, and I, I don't know that that's concrete, but I, I think that that's kind of where they're going with it. Now, I think it's trying to make a point about it, about pairing off and that it's not, it's not, um, I don't know. There are practical reasons for it survival and whatnot right um well that was one of the things that they they would bring in these demonstrations that was my favorite part is when they bring in these demonstrations of like they'd bring in a man by himself and he would eat something and start choking and no one would be there to save him and then they would show him with a partner and he would start choking and then she'd come and save him like just survival basis of life yeah if you have a partner then you survive and if you're alone then then you die then you die which is strange which is yeah <laughs> <laughs> well because it's like it's to me it's this movie is very hard to grasp well there, there's a lot to it like there's a lot of different things that they touch on um people are only allowed to be in society if they pair off um they have to they have to hunt loners who are right. these people who live in the woods <laughs> in order to buy more time to find a mate. And I think that that is... What is that a metaphor for? I, I think it can be interpreted a lot of different ways. I mean, maybe maybe, maybe it's, it's simply just uh, saying that, that those who are paired off and in relationships kind of hold... Um, hold their nose up at those who, who don't do it. Right. right or maybe right. it's saying that, uh, or maybe it's, maybe it's a metaphor for, for like going out and dating or like trying to, I don't know, like have a lot of different partners and preying on loners in order to find right someone that you're going to be with. Yeah. I don't know, you, you could read it a lot. Well, of like ways. I even like remember when I was single, like, Getting married or like people who were married, like, well, mostly like you, your friends who started getting married, mm -hmm. like it was this inherent, like, like that's what I kind of need to, like, that's my yeah. progression. Yeah, exactly. And, and they would kind of like, I think it's even funny, like when you, you start like getting friends who get married and you start trying to hang out with them still. They still no, there's they, the married club, right? Dude. There's a married club, and it feels like it's it's us versus them type scenario. Yeah. But, but it's do you feel that way for me? Like I'm married, you're not. You no, but you and I, our relationship exists always like on set or like on a project or right. like at Masters in Motion, right? So it's kind of it's in its own like niche. It's like you and yeah. like. Me and my girlfriend and you and your wife don't hang out. Yeah. I'm sure we would, but like, <laughs> that's just not something that, you know, that we've done. Yeah. But like all my friends from high school, like there are the ones who are married 
and they've got their like club, and right. then there's the ones of us who aren't married, and, and there's just like, smoking pot and stuff. Yeah, or like whatever. <laughs> and we don't always hang out together, right? Or not? I mean, we never hang out together anymore, right? Unless it's I like at a, I unless it's at a wedding, right? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what he's maybe trying to say. This I like. But there's societal this, pressure for us to, to do this, and I think right. that um, there is people don't know like oh my god I'm supposed to do this right. and so like in, in the film they're searching for these weird commonalities they have with people like there's there's the couple that pairs up because they, they have nosebleeds right but and, he's faking it but he's faking it because he, he thinks that he needs to find something in common with right with uh, this person yeah um, but I, I think that, that that plays into okay so it's not that I think that the film is trying to make a point about that it's not you don't need to have something in common with someone to to be with them. Right. I, I, do we do spoiler alerts? Like, I don't want to... I, I think that to discuss this film fully, we need to reveal the ending. Let's so, spoil it. So I'm going to spoil it. Um, it's worth seeing just for the aesthetics. So, even, you know, and the way that it's done. So, even if uh, I spoil it, you should still go see it. Uh, okay, so basically, Colin Farrell, when he's when he's left the hotel where he's supposed to find his mate and gone off into the woods to become a loner, which is a band of people who have rejected this idea of affection and romance and they, they survive as a band in the woods, but they don't help each other. Right. Um, he finds Rachel Weiss and they fall in love and then they realize that they're both short sighted and that they have something in common. Like nearsighted. Yeah, they're like Irish or something, so right. they call it short sighted. Right. Yeah, they also drive on the left side of the road. I mean. Right, it's <laughs> <laughs> just a little bit different. Right. Okay, so um, they realize that they're both nearsighted, and they're like, "Oh, so this is meant to be. We have this thing in common." Right. And then the leader of the loners blinds Rachel Weiss, so well, that they no longer discuss, have something. Like, well, that's what I want to discuss. It's like just as much. It was interesting to me that just as much as the uh, the hotel. Or society, if we want to connect that metaphor, like the pressure of society, mm-hmm. whatever, had tons of rules and you couldn't, you know, do certain things. Like you couldn't do anything basically single mm-hmm. and they would, <laughs> we yeah. won't get into everything that they would make you do, but, or wouldn't allow you to do. But, uh, but at the same time, when he became a loner, they had just as many rules, just as many rules in like just as many, uh, don't show affection. Don't. Yeah, if you flirt, then we're going to cut your yeah. the sides of your mouth and make you kiss each other, like, with razor blades. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like... It's dark. It's so dark. <laughs> it's so dark. <laughs> um, the movie... Well, it's just... Like, the movie... It's one of the darkest movies I've ever seen. You think so? Yeah. Because... The darkest it, ever. Um, Because of the way that it made me want to, like... The things that I was laughing at... M- I don't feel like I was supposed to be laughing at, but well, they were hilarious to me because it's also deadpan, right? But so absurd. Right. Okay, well, do you think that the the movie had a positive message or a negative message at the end, and what it had to say about relationships? That's what I kept on coming back to the whole time I was watching it. Was just like I think what he's because of the the idea that like if you go on this side there's there's rules, and if you go on this side there's rules. 
So like in what he's pointing to is that there's a middle ground and I feel like that middle ground is like we're all effed. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that middle ground was just like just stop. Well, I feel like No, I th- I think it had a positive message. What was the positive so, message? <laughs> so to get back to the to the to the spoiling um, the leader of the loners blinds Rachel Weiss, right? So that they no longer have something in common, right? And they struggle with the relationship for a little while, and then finally he decides that they're going to escape into the city, right. which is where all the couples live, and um, and be together. And his his final um, his final scene is that he is going to go into the bathroom and blind himself, so that they once again have something in common, right? And I think that that is to say that it is not having some, a true relationship doesn't, isn't based on commonalities. It's based on sacrifice. Hmm. Okay. And so I think, but wouldn't that sacrifice be making them? Well, I guess the idea is because you never, you, at the end of the movie, you never see if he does it or not. You never see if he does it or not. So you can, but if he is, you're left looking at her and if he's going to be with her, he has to make a sacrifice. Right. And I think that that is what is it. That's what the movie's trying to say is the basis of a strong relationship. It's not the societal pressure that, that makes you think you need to get married. It's not the practicality of like having someone to help you when you're choking at a restaurant. Right. It's, it's finding someone that you're willing to make a massive sacrifice for. In this case, blinding yourself. Yeah. So like, I have a girlfriend. And uh, I love her very much. And she moves across the country with me to L.A. And I feel like she made a big sacrifice so that we could be together. Right. And so, I mean, I think that I think we have a strong relationship. But we don't have all that much in common in terms of, like, what we do. She works in... And I, I don't think that that's important. We definitely get along. And, like, we do like a lot of, like, the same movies and, like, some of the same activities. But I, I, right. don't, I don't think that it's like, oh, we both have this one thing. That like makes us strong. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think I would agree, dude. But it does it in a really dark, maybe... roundabout way. <laughs> it does it in a very, very, but very But I think very ultimately that, that's what I got from it. <laughs> right. Yeah. But it's it's so satirical. What's about the name it? of the character? Uh, he played uh, Q in James Bond. Uh, oh, the, the actor's name? Yeah. Ben Wishaw. Ben Wishaw. Well, he made a sacrifice. He has to put himself through pain every day. He makes this point to Colin Farrell. So Ben Wisha plays a character who decides that to be with someone, he... Uh, he needs to have something in common with her. Yeah, so he starts hitting his head against the wall to make his nose bleed so that he has this commonality with this, this girl whose nose is constantly bleeding. And um, he, sa- he poses the question to Colin Farrell. He's... Well, I, I, maybe that destroys my my thought on it. He's like, "What's worse?" Uh, right. <laughs> yeah. What's worse, like being alone in the woods, or going through a little bit of pain every day? I don't know. Yeah. Well, because the whole the whole time the movie's like pressing on this question of like, like, um, being dissatisfied with who you are because you've you've been you put yourself in that relationship based on wrong things yeah you know what i mean 
Like there's a, there's a, the character of the girl who like is, you know, uh, partnered with a, a dentist and he mm-hmm. like like just ruins not ruins her life but just like annoys the frick out of her. Yeah, and she wants to leave and become a loner. Whatever. Like, I, f- I feel like that's. And I love John C. Riley's character of just like the underdog. Like he has a lisp, and every time everybody's like, "Like you're not like look at you, man. Like no one's gonna be, want to be with you. You have a lisp. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you you you're you're goofy, so no one's gonna be with you. It's just like the classic like you know. Am stereo. I gonna be alone forever? Am I gonna be alone forever? Too? Or yeah. or have I found? Or am I am I in a this relationship out of um, convenience? And it's made me become become a person I don't want to be. Right. Yeah. I don't know. It touches on so many different aspects of what what uh, a culture that that pairs off. Right. Uh, yeah. I think I think at the end I'm trying to figure out. Like, I think, like, him making a sacrifice is, I think what, what I'm, before that, I'm trying to figure out what, like, why did they fall in love? Because, it wasn't because of what they had in common, right? No, she saw him and she liked him. Right. It was just so simple. It was so simple. <laughs> maybe that's, maybe that's something, dude, like how complicated we make this idea of, like, how wrapped up in it we get. Yeah. And how like constructed we've made all of it. Right. Cuz right. everything every aspect of of pairing off in this film has some construct around it. Right. Or even being a loner as you were saying earlier has construct around it. Right. When it's really it's just as simple as I like her, she's pretty. Or, you know, <laughs> Because she doesn't say anything about his appearance. Right. She just has a natural attraction to him. Right. It's just there. It's just there. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like you could you could skin it so many ways. You're right. Which is why it's a fascinating film. And the whole time I was like totally captivated by it. Yeah. Did you like the filmmaking? I love... Well, that's what I want to talk about next. It's like the actual like way that they went about making it. Yeah, because we should get onto that because we just blabbered about. <laughs> probably, you should see the film. Sense. It's 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 worth the discussion. You should see the film. Yeah, you'd probably feel the same exact way as we <laughs> do right now after you leave it. Yeah, but I also think it's one of those films that I'll, two days, three days from now, maybe something will. Like yeah. I'll, I'll I'm gonna go. See, those, I'm gonna go see it again. It's, yeah, it's one of those marinating kind of films. Yeah, but but you like the filmmaking. The filmmaking side of it. I felt like, at least if we're going to take just the cinematography of it, mm-hmm. I didn't care about it all. And I think that was amazing. Like, it was beautiful. Like, I was, but in, I don't think I, at any time through the movie, I stopped myself and I said, whoa. Like. It definitely didn't call attention to itself. It didn't call attention to itself, which but I But it was, like, thinking back on it, it was quite, it was quite beautiful. It was very beautiful. Um, the production design is fantastic. Uh, the only cinematography that called attention to itself for me was that there's these couple of sequences that are done entirely in slow motion. Right. <laughs> and, and you don't see... 
they're pretty extended and I, you know, it, it's the kind of stuff that like, it's, it, it's like a sequence you might see on Vimeo these days. Now that everybody sort has, of, yeah, yeah, yeah. has but access it's to very like Lars von Trier kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like very like, it was just a normal scene as if they were acting in, in 24, but. Yeah. In slow motion. So you, you see like these tiny little microseconds of like someone's like one of the actors looks or something like that. But it's like 20 seconds. And it like, you know what I mean? Well, like the first hunting scene was maybe like four and a half minutes. Right. And it was just, just slow motion. Slow motion. Yeah. And then the first time they go into the city, it's maybe a two and a half minute sequence of just slow motion. Right. And I don't know if there's any significance behind it. I haven't really like, like, you know. Yeah, thought that hard about it yet, but I, those sequences stuck out to me because I, I, you don't see that that often in yeah. narrative well, What did you think about the cinematography? I, th- I thought it was, I thought it was really pretty, but it, it didn't call attention to itself. Right. It served the story really well, right? Um, which is something I find myself more and more into in cinematography these days. It's something right. that's not just like, oh my god, let's make this best looking shot we've ever seen and like let's make this the most I don't know thoughtful shot we've ever seen right so there's a lot of long lenses there isn't a ton of wide stuff except for just like big master shots right yeah but like even the master shots I felt like were further back on a longer they were lens. further back yeah, yeah. trying um, to look up who definitely shot on film I'm trying to look up who shot it. Do you know? No, you know, we watched the credits, and I don't know what happened, but I was waiting for the cinematographer card to come up. Cinematography by Timios Bacatikis. And I totally missed it. He shot Dogtooth? Which is the director's last film. This is the director's last film. Uh, and then a bunch of other kind of... Uh, is it all Greek films? Yeah. All Greek films. Is this his like, first English language film? I think so. Huh. Um, what did you think of the cinematography? I honestly, like, I was so absorbed in the acting. Like... Well, that's something to talk about. But it wasn't, it wasn't the... The acting of it was like so, um, like directed. Does that make sense? Like I, w- I yeah. was trying to f- like I could understand everything more about the director than like the actual because the f- <laughs> the whole thing was just um, comedic pauses was like the only like the biggest thing that I took from the acting. You know what I mean? Like there was these and everything. The dialogue was so. I don't know how he did it, and maybe it's like a British thing, maybe it's like a like a European thing, yeah. like that kind of comedy. Like it's not American at all. No, no, no. It's no, very no, no, no. like. Um, well, it's all like deadpan. Mo- well, like it's really deadpan, right? But not in the way that like Owen Wilson can be deadpan. It's right. like there's literally no. There's like there was hardly any inflection to any of the lines in the entire film. Right. I'm trying to think of the of the the one that keeps sticking out my head, but it's basically just like 
um, <laughs> they're all sitting on the pier, and John C. Riley says, uh, "Oh, look at his leg." Hey, have you have you showed him your leg? Yeah. And he just he's like, "No," and then he lifts up his leg and shows him like something on his leg, and that's it. And Colin Farrell goes, "Oh yeah," <laughs> it's like. Yeah, <laughs> it's just so stupid. It felt so childlike and just like stupid. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, but it wasn't stupid. It was like, I don't know what it was, man. It's it's really hard to put your finger on. Um, I, all the characters seem completely emotionally detached from everything. Right. Like the people who are coupled off seem emotionally detached. Uh, Colin Farrell on his own seems emotionally detached. The leader of the loners seems emotionally detached. Right. Um, maybe spiteful at some points, but in a very detached way. Yeah. There's hardly any smiling in the film. And and I, I think that they, maybe it was a purposeful decision to just remove emotion from it completely so we could see how absurd, absurd yeah. these constructs, like, you know, around staring off, like, were. Right. You know, like maybe that's the meaning behind it. I, I don't know, or or the motivation behind it, right? From a directing standpoint. I mean, it is just very dystopian. Like, it's just like the furthest, like detached personality. I I don't know if he was trying to say anything about actual reality though. Like trying to relate that to. You think it was all entirely satire? I mean, sure, some of it had to be. No, I mean, I mean, it, it's. It's a lot of satire, but usually with satire, someone's like trying to make call attention to something, a point right. about something. I right? think that's the hardest thing. It was like satire, but I couldn't always figure out what it was satiring. <laughs> Is that the word? Just satiring. Satiring. Um, <laughs> well, no. I, I mean, I knew what what it was. I mean, it's it's a satire about love, and it's kind I think of it's like a core. satire about. The way that we... Partner, like, romantic partnership. Right. But to what end? Like, what did he want to say by satiring it? My read on it was, as I discussed earlier, but I think you could skin it other ways. I really do. Well, do you think (laughs) it it was criticizing relationships? I felt like it was... What I felt like he was saying, and I, what I, because of just the way that he was making me feel through it, was that like, ultimately, it's a very sad reality the way that we fall in love, not fall in love, but the way that we begin and, and exist in, within relationships. Like it felt very sad, you know. Yeah. Almost like he he feels very sad about the way that he's been in relationships, you know, like just the way that, I mean, maybe that's, I'm sure that some of that's constructed, but, um, it just felt like a very clear, like way of calling bullshit on the whole thing, you know, but it was very sad. Like it wasn't, it wasn't like even the ending didn't really even like bring up your spirits about the whole thing. No, it didn't. Because in the at the end of the day, like it's still kind of like the fact that I mean, even though they found each other, the fact that she is blind now, and the fact that like 
now he has to do this. It's like, I just, the whole time you just wanted to be like, everybody just chill out a little bit, you know, with like the, the, but I think that's the point. It's a satire. So the point is that like, I don't know what the point is. (laughs) I, I, I mean, I really do think it, it comes down to that, that question of sacrifice. But maybe maybe at the end, it's like... Because you don't know whether or not he does it. So maybe it's asking whether or not it's worth it. If that's what it's going to come to. Right. In the face of all these... You know... Societal farces that he's kind of like set up. Like, if it's going to come down to sacrifice, is it worth it? And she's left blind and alone if... if uh, if it's not worth it. Right. Or he could not take out his eyes and come back and lie to her <laughs> and go through the whole thing. <clears throat> right. So maybe there at the end, like, it's it's kind of a... I don't know. So yeah, it is, it is pretty pessimistic, I guess. Sorry, I'm not trying to not talk. No, no, it's okay. I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm pouring through my thoughts as well. It's, it's, uh, there's a lot there. I could see how after seeing, like, if you were dating right now, like, if you were in the dating phase right. of your life, like, you'd... <laughs> You'd come away from that and be like, well, fuck me. Yeah. Sorry, am I not supposed to cuss on the podcast? You can cuss okay. Uh, like, this is pointless. Um, I don't know. I feel like if you're if you're in a relationship that like you're really happy in, you might be like, well, I'm so thankful for that. Right. Or if you're in a relationship you're not happy in, you might be like, oh man, like I don't like the person I am now. Because the relationship I'm in. Right. I think honestly, man, like, it does, it brings up this big question that I feel like a lot of people relate to after watching it, which is like, people fool themselves into, and this kind of sits more in the first half of the movie when he's in the hotel, but like it comes back to that pressure of just like people fool themselves into believing that they're right for somebody or that the need to have somebody is like very important. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And then, so that's like the first half of the movie. Then the next half of the movie is like the idea of being alone is still somewhat unsatisfying. Mm-hmm. Even though, like, he goes, you know, he gets almost caught by John C. Riley, and he's like, I think he asks him, like, what's it like being alone or something like that? Or he's like, no, it's great. You get to do whatever you want. You get mm-hmm. to, like, <laughs> what does he say? Like, he, gets, uh, <laughs> he says you get to masturbate whenever you want, right. <laughs> uh, and you get to go on walks whenever you want. Right. It's uh, quite nice. It's quite nice. <laughs> yeah. But it's still like it still has this sense of like being unsatisfied. And yeah, it seems totally unsatisfactory. Right. But I think at the end, like 
I think that I think you're onto something about the sacrifice thing because at the end, he was it, it, he knew it was going to be painful. He knew it was going to suck, but it, he that to him was like worth it. Mm-hmm. Even though I I do believe that like. I mean, going as far as like as far as he did with the knife in the bathroom about to mm-hmm. j- jab his eye, which by the way was a really funny thing to experience in a theater yeah. of like four <laughs> old people in Kentucky. Yeah, <laughs> who had been <laughs> silent the entire time, and then all of a sudden Colin Farrell puts the knife to his eye. He's like, "Oh, these bastards are sick." <laughs> <laughs> He's like, what are these people doing? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> now, now you're questioning it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's it, man. It's like a, it's a satire about love. It's a satire about, um, the way society makes you feel about falling in love, the types of people that they think you're supposed to be with, the pressure of all that stuff. But I think at the end of the day, I think, you know, I think you're right, man. Like, it's not just about like, doing a sac- like doing a sacrifice like you know for somebody else but it's about like he f- it felt like he was almost happy to do it you know yeah. at the end which is like which is love you know what i mean mm-hmm. that's really the only true instance of love you've seen in the whole film right is that he considers that and goes to do it and you're left with the question of, is he going to? Because you never see him actually do it. Right. But I, but I think that's the question that he wants to leave you with. It's like... Yeah, yeah. It's like, is... Are is, you willing to do it? Are you it? willing to do that? Or are you yeah. not? Yeah. Are you this type of person or are you not? Yeah. You know? Because I think you identify with Colin Farrell's character a lot through it. Yeah, yeah. You know absolutely. I mean? <laughs> well, he's he's kind of our eyes. No... <laughs> Right. <laughs> yeah, throughout through seeing all of this stuff. Yeah. I'll be honest with you, the last film I saw with Colin Farrell was Phone Booth. So I That's the not... last film you saw with Colin Farrell. <laughs> it is, yeah. Do you like Colin Farrell? Not after Phone Booth. But well, now I right. well. <laughs> I think his I mean, he how much he like gained so much weight for this thing too. Like Well the last movie like, you saw him in was Phone Booth, right. which was <laughs> early like fifteen years ago, so <laughs> Uh, I mean, but maybe he, he just he gained weight gain. since then. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but he had like a full on beer belly and like just looked like such a normal schlub. Schlub. Yeah, he looked like such a schlub. That's the that's the other than the in <laughs> all the all the females in the movie. I felt like were intentionally like it was like either they were like the most beautiful in the room or they were like regular women. You know what I mean? Yeah, which was interesting, like the woman who the woman who ends up like killing herself uh, at the hotel. Yeah, like and I mean, well, what do you think? Do you think there's any meaning behind the casting there? I didn't feel like anyone at the hotel was particularly like male or female was like a made made to look like a like a gorgeous person. No, but you could just like. Even the odd, like he made you understand like who you who men would act naturally gravitate towards, which is like yeah, young, skinny, good hair, yeah, like <laughs> you know what I mean. But yeah, yeah, the yeah, funny yeah. thing is, is like so the funny the the thing that I loved was that there was two best friends, and then one of them found 
mate and the more beautiful of the friends like didn't find one because of her, her personality yeah and like Colin Farrell <laughs> even tried to like make a move on her and she said like maybe you'll go bald one day yeah well, <laughs> he, he complimented her on her hair and she's right. like I know yeah yeah and she still couldn't find love yeah you know even though she was probably the most beautiful person there yeah which is like I mean he's saying so much to this thing dude I think he's saying I don't know if there is like an end all be all like this is what he's trying to say. No, I think he's trying to say a lot, and I I think I appreciate that. I think I appreciate, I appreciate that as well. Not, I think this is like and a, maybe you take away from it like wherever you are right. in your. This like, is a, I I picked up on the sacrifice thing because maybe that's that's something that's important to me or like right. maybe someone who's fed up with dating is going to pick up on something else. Right, and I think I I what I appreciate the most is like he allowed the audience. Like, he didn't treat the audience in any kind of special way. No. You know what I mean? Like, he didn't cater anything to the audience. No, in fact, the, the, like, nothing is, like, explained in exposition. It's only, like, the world is only explained as the story unfolds. Right. In a very natural way. <laughs> right. Like, Even the dialogue is is exactly what is happening right in front of them. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's no, like, oh, we're going to do this because of this like they mention the hunt in passing and then next thing you know they're on the hunt yeah and then you don't realize what the purpose of the hunt is until they're back and counting the loners that they've captured and someone's reading off like oh four loners that gives you four more days right and then like uh ben wishaw when he shows his leg to colin farrell you don't know what's wrong with his leg and then the next scene he explains how he got uh, attacked by a wolf and it gave him a limp that he thought was and his then, mother. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's going really deep into it. But, um, and then he's, he's giving a presentation about how his wife also had a limp. And then you start to put together, like people are finding these like arbitrary commonalities right. to like become a couple. Right. I, I love that. When, uh, Colin Farrell says, I saw a new group of people coming today. I think there's a woman with a limp. And then, uh, oh, yeah, and yeah. then he says, "No, it's just a sprained ankle." She'll be like, walking normal. In she'll a couple be walking of days. normal in a couple of days. <laughs> like, trust God, me, I already. It's checked. a really bizarre movie. Yeah, huh. I think at the end of it, you gotta see it. Yeah, and it, it gives you something to chew on, and it it definitely points out the absurdities and and how we go about trying to find the right person for us. And, or, or if we reject the idea that there is a right person for us or, or whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's, there's something to chew on. And y- you too can have a, uh, a meandering, blabbering conversation about it afterwards. <laughs> Which is the best part about films anyway. Yeah, exactly. This episode was mixed by Christian Stropko, or as we like to refer to him, Christian number two. As always, our music today was created by Cubby. That's Cubby with two Bs. You can check out more of his stuff on CubbySounds.com. Our show is produced by Will Meyer, and our good podcast logo was designed by Eric Hurchin. Also, you can find all of our show notes and other fun stuff at GoodThePodcast.com. Mm-hmm.